Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. How have you not ran away screaming yet? Every single time I start my sentence with, Well, in ancient Greece, my family runs away. I am so very thankful that you enjoy this as much as I do. I finally have an outlet to share these stories running around in my head. I get to use a little of my creativity when preparing these episodes. I'm actually surprised how much time and effort it takes to make a single episode. I'm learning a bunch along the way, and I'm learning the pains of editing. For as long as it takes to record one episode, it takes four times that amount to edit it. Plus, we are our own worst critic, and I have to listen to the best and the worst versions of myself. Anyway... For this episode, we're going to talk about the different sea gods of Greek mythology. To accomplish this, I'll need help from the following authors in order of oldest to youngest. Homer lived roughly around 700 BCE and was a famous performer on the events at the Battle of Troy. He created a sequel called The Odyssey that describes Odysseus's travel home. Hesiod lived roughly around 700 BCE and was an ancient Greek poet known for writing the Theogony, relating the myths to the gods and the works of days, describing peasant life. Herodotus lived around 450 BCE and he was an ancient Greek writer, geographer, and historian born in the Greek city of Halicarnassus. According to Wikipedia, Herodotus is known for having written The Histories, a detailed account of the Greco-Persian Wars. Herodotus was the first writer to do a systematic investigation of historical events. He is referred to as the Father of History, a title conferred to him by the ancient Roman orator Ciro. The Histories primarily covers the lives of prominent kings and famous battles such as Marathon, Thermopylae, Artesium, Salamis, Latia, and Mycale. His work deviates from main topics to provide cultural, ethno-geographical, and historical background, histiographical background that forms an essential part of the narrative and provides reader with a wellspring of additional information. Plato, a classical Greek intellectual who is our primary source for Atlantis, living roughly around 425 BCE. Apollodorus of Athens, died after 120 BCE, was a Greek scholar and colleagues with a scholar on Homer, and he served as a librarian at the Great Library in Alexandria. Diodorus of Sicily was an ancient Greek historian living around 40 BCE, He was known for making a book called The Library of History. He is our second best source on Atlantis. Do you know where the word ocean comes from? Ocean is a shortened version of Oceanus, or, more correctly, Oceanus, the titan river god of the ocean. There were still some titans floating around after the Olympians defeated most of them in the war. Okeanus decided to stay neutral during the war and was left to his own devices by Zeus after the war. Okeanus was the great river that encircled the known world. When looking at a world map according to Herodotus, 
you can see clearly the Mediterranean and the land masses consisting of the known lands. Surrounding all of the land was Okeanos. Okeanos had a wife named Tethys, and according to Homer, they were the parents of the gods. Okeanos has been depicted on pottery with lighter skin, bull horns with crab claws, and he had the tail of a serpent-like fish. He is often depicted with fish or serpents around him. Here's a passage from Homer in the Iliad. Okeanos, from whom all rivers are, and the entire sea, and all the springs, and all the deep wells have their waters of him. Homer mentions Okeanos again in the Odyssey. Not powerful Achilles matches his strength against Zeus. Not the enormous strength of Okeanos with his deep running waters. Yet, even Okeanos is afraid of the lightning of great Zeus and the dangerous thunderbolt which it breaks from the sky crashing. First, Achilles was a shape-shifting Greek river god who was the personification of the Achilles River and is one of the longest rivers in Greece. After the Titan Olympian War, Okeanos seems no longer to be the main god of the sea. It is also suggested that Okeanos' jurisdiction was limited to outside the Mediterranean, as Poseidon was the god of the Mediterranean Sea. Hesiod notes that Okeanos sent his daughter Styx to fight on Zeus's side against the Titans. Styx brought her children, Celis or Envy, Nike, or Victory, Kratos, or Power, and Baia, Force. With Tethys, Okeanos had roughly 3,000 children, and they're called the Oceanids, or Nymphs. I'm not going to spend the entire podcast naming them all, but what is interesting to note is that any flowing water, such as a river, is considered to be a child of Okeanos, whereas any lake or pond does not. Homer claims in the Iliad that Hera, wife of Zeus, says the following, Okeanos, from whom the gods are sprung, and mother Tethys. Both Homer and Hesiod claim that Okeanos could be found at the ends of the earth. In Hesiod's Theogony, Okeanos can be found near Tartarus. In Homer's Iliad, Okeanos is found near Elysium. In the Odyssey, it is mentioned that Okeanos needed to be crossed in order to reach the house of Hades. To the ancients, Okeanos was his own deity, and this is why Plato differentiates Atlantic from Atlantic Ocean. Take this passage from Plato. This power came forth out of the Atlantic Ocean, for in those days the Atlantic was navigable. I thought about this sentence for many years. My first question was, why wasn't the Atlantic Ocean navigable during Plato's time, approximately 400 BCE? So when Plato says, the entire island and the ocean were called Atlantic after him, meaning baby Atlas, it makes it clear that there are two separate bodies of water. How I interpret this is to mean that from the ocean came forth a power, for in those days the Sea of Atlas was navigable. Obviously, the Atlantic Ocean should still be navigable during Plato's time, so he must be saying the Sea of Atlas is no longer navigable. 
Here's a passage from Diodorus. These are the myths which are told about the mother of gods, both among the Phygerians and by the Atlanteans who dwell on the coast of the ocean. Another quote differentiates the ocean from the sea. The kingdom was divided among the sons of Uranus, the most renowned of whom were Atlas and Cronus. Of these sons, Atlas received his farther regions on the coast of the ocean, and he not only gave the name Atlanteans to his peoples, but likewise called the greatest mountain in the land Atlas. Plato further differentiates the two in this quote. The Atlanteans dwelt in the regions on the edge of the ocean and inhabited a fertile territory. You can clearly see that Plato knew the island of Atlantis was by the ocean, not in the ocean. So the sea that is being referred to is different from the ocean. It starts to make a little bit more sense when Plato goes on to say, The island of Atlantis disappeared in the depths of the sea, for which reason the sea in those parts is impassable and impenetrable, because there is a shoal of mud in the way, and this was caused by the substance of the island. So, the oasis in the land of Atlas disappeared into the sea of Atlas, not the Atlantic Ocean. Now, boats can no longer navigate the sea, or possibly even a lake, of Atlas because there is a sandbar in the way. This new sandbar was caused by the collapsing of the oasis in the sea of Atlas. We know that Poseidon is irrevocably associated with his tripod, or better known as a triton. However, the tripod was more associated with Triton, Poseidon's son. King Triton was depicted in Disney's The Little Mermaid, being half man and half fish, carrying a golden tripod. Poseidon was married to Amphitrite, queen of the sea. When Poseidon wanted to marry Amphitrite, she fled to the Atlas Mountains, wanting to protect her virginity. Poseidon put a bounty on her from the various sea creatures, and eventually a dolphin came across Amphitrite and convinced her to marry Poseidon. As a reward for the dolphin's help, Poseidon created the Delphinus constellation. From the union of Poseidon and Amphitrite, they had several children, but I'm only going to talk about one specific son named Triton. Triton is said to live in a golden palace at the floor of the sea next to his parents' house and uses a conch shell to control the sea. Triton was the god of Lake Tritonus of ancient Libya. He was famously encountered by Jason and the Argonauts. This is a fantastic story that I may one day brush upon, but not today. The shortest explanation is this. The Argo was the name of the ship that Jason and his crew were aboard. The Argo had been driven ashore in the Gulf of Surtes, and Triton guided them through the lake's marshy outlet back to the Mediterranean. The story of Jason and the Argonauts was made famous in a book called Argonautica, and was written by Apollonius of Rhodes. More interesting is that Herodotus also wrote about Jason and the Argonauts in his book, The Histories. Here is a passage. The following is the story as it is commonly told. When Jason had finished building the Argo at the foot of Mount Pelion, he took on board the usual hecatomb, which 
by the way, means a sacrifice of a hundred cattle. Back to the story. And moreover, a brazen tripod. Thus equipped, he set sail, intending to coast around the Peloponnese and so to reach Delphi. The voyage was prosperous as far as Malia, but at that point, a gale wind from the north came on suddenly and carried him out of his course to the coast of Libya, where, before he discovered the land, he got among the shallows of Lake Tritonus. As he was turning it in his mind how he could find his way out, Triton, they say, appeared to him and offered to show him the channel and secure him a safe retreat if he would give him the tripod. Jason complying was shown by Triton the passage through the shallows, after which the god took the tripod and, carrying it to his own temple, seated himself upon it and filled with prophetic fury, delivered Jason and his companions a long prediction. Of course he delivered a prophetic fury. He had a tripod of his When a descendant, he said, of one of the Argo crew should seize and carry off the brazen tripod, then, by inevitable fate, would a hundred Grecian cities be built around Lake Tritonus. The Libyans of that region, when they heard the words of this prophecy, took away the tripod and hid it. According to Apollodorus, Triton was the father of a daughter named Pallas and father-parent to the goddess Athena. Athena is referenced in Homer as Tritonus or Triton-born, suggesting that Athena is Triton's daughter or that she was born in the river Triton from Zeus's head. The first time I heard Lake Tritonus, a chill ran down my spine. Here's what I do know. Herodotus gave the area of the lake about 900 square miles, or 2300 kilometers squared for the rest of the world. For perspective, this would be about half the size of Rhode Island in the United States. Listen to this passage from Wikipedia. Lake Triton was a large body of fresh water in North Africa. Classical era Greek writers placed the lake in what is today southeastern Algeria and southern Tanzania. In details of the late myths and personal observations related by those historians, the lake was said to be named after Triton. According to Herodotus, it contained two islands, Fla and Mene. Herodotus assumed that there would be a large river flowing into it, which he called the Triton. I also want to point out the city mentioned here called Mene. Diodorus also describes this city when talking about the Libyan Amazons, with Queen Marina subduing all of the land. Also, take note that Diodorus is using the word island. The Amazons were on an island which, because it was in the west, it was called Hespera. Their home lay near Ethiopia, and that mountain, called by the Greeks, Atlas. Atlas, which is the highest of those in the vicinity, impinges upon the ocean. By the shore of the ocean, which surrounds the earth, there lay a marsh. In the marsh, named Tritonus, after a certain river Triton, which empties into it, is where the Amazons made their home. The Amazons, being a race superior in valor and eager for war, subdued all of the cities on the island except for the one called Mene, which was considered to be sacred and was inhabited by the Ethiopian Ichthyophage. Mene was also subject to great eruptions of fire and possessed a multitude of precious stones, which the Greeks called anthrax, sardium, and smargdos. 
After this, they subdued many of the neighboring Libyans and nomad tribes. They founded, within the Marsh Tritonus, a great city which they named Chersanos after its shape. There's a few things worth noting. The Theophagi, which translates to fish eaters, was a tribe of people on the African coast of the Red Sea. Ethiopia also has a Greek translation, and it translates roughly to burnt skin. Imagine the heads that would explode if mythological Atlantis, this technologically advanced civilization, with kindness and wisdom, raised their voice in unison to say, Wakanda forever! Finally, let's look at what Plato said happened to Atlantis. But after the war, there occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared in the depths of the sea. Here's what Diodorus says about the destruction of the Libyan Amazons. The story is also told that the Marsh Tritonus disappeared from sight in the course of an earthquake when those parts of it which lay towards the ocean were torn asunder. It's worth noting that archaeologists have placed Lake Tritonus in a couple of areas. Here's a quote from Wikipedia. At an unknown date, an earthquake collapsed dikes or land structures that kept the lake from drying up causing drainage to the sea of most of the fresh water, and at the most allowing for a seasonal lake or marsh. It then possibly became associated with Chat el Jarid, a seasonal lake which is marshy and shallow, now separated by a 50-meter-high elevated ridge 10 kilometers wide from the Mediterranean. Other suggested locations are the various Sabka along Gulf of Sidra and due west coastal sections, which became filled in due to salt and gypsum evaporates as well as sand washed or blown in. These areas are below sea level for large expanses, typically only less than 5 meters in depth. Cha el Jarid translates to Lagoon of the Land of Palms. My guess is that Lake Tritonus is also another name for Sea of Atlas. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9pm. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you, it's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. The Libyans in the north and the Ethiopians in the south of Libya. From Egypt, as far as Lake Tritonus, Libya is inhabited by wandering tribes. West of Lake Tritonus, the Libyans are no longer wanderers, nor do they practice the same customs as the wandering people. Plato says the following about Libya. The men of Atlantis had subjugated parts of Libya within the columns of Heracles as far as Egypt. There was once, in the western part of Libya, on the bounds of the inhabited world, a race which was ruled by women, 